0: Historian, entrepreneur, and author, Itai Tenenbaum, is your guide for a behind the scenes tour of Israeli society and objective analysis of the key issues of the day for anyone who wants a deep and authentic look inside Israel. Welcome to the Inside Israel Podcast. Shortly after my mandatory military service in the Israeli Defense Forces, I took a three week trip to Turkey. I visited Antalya, Urgup, Cappadocia, and even the world renowned Rowan Ruins at Kusadasi. The trip ended in Istanbul. I already departed from my friends that I traveled with and was on my own. Sitting in a teahouse pronounced chai, a friendly local from an adjacent table tried to make conversation with me. I say tried because he didn't really know a word of English and I didn't know any Turkish. He pointed at me and waved his hands wanting to know where I was from to which I said Israel. Now that wasn't that smart of me. I probably should have just grunted something and the conversation would have ended. The man looked at me, his face became serious, and he said, El-Kudas Falastin. Like I said, I don't know Turkish, but I know El-Kudas is El-Kutz, which means Jerusalem, and Palestine means Palestine. Again, I should have just smiled and walked away, but I didn't. After all, Jerusalem is where my mother was born, and so did five generations of our family before her. Not to mention King David 3,000 years ago, Solomon, the first and second temples, etc., etc. So I smiled and said, no, Jerusalem is Israel. And like little kids, he said, Palestine, and I would reply, Israel. Did I mention I was an idiot by carrying on this so-called conversation? When he said repeatedly, no Israel, no Israel, I pulled out my tour map of Turkey, took out a pen, scribbled on the eastern part of Turkey and said, that's Kurdistan then. Scribbled some more on the map and said, and that's Armenia. I looked up from the map to see the anger on his face and noticed that everyone at the tea house was looking our way. So then I somehow got a little smarter, smiled and said, just joking, and got out of there before it was too late. At the time, Turkey and Israel were politically friendly, but I was really naive to think I can have this kind of conversation without it possibly ending badly. Roughly 10 days ago, an Israeli tourist couple named Natalie and Morty Oknin Visiting Istanbul made the Rep a monumental building of over 1,000 feet high, like many other tourists, to see the view, perhaps get something to eat at the restaurant, and take photos, you know, so they can post them on social media like Facebook, Instagram, or whatever. However, one of the several photos they took was of the house of the president of Turkey, Rajib Tayyip Erdogan. He had lived there for years, since he was the mayor of Istanbul, the house is very well secured and even fortified, with police patrols, etc., the Israeli couple pointed at the house and even said the name Arduan out loud. Like me, not too smart, but rather naive. A suspicious waiter reported to the police, and they were arrested under the suspicion that they were spying on the house. That's a bit ridiculous charge, because the house is so far away and below the tower, and today's satellites would get so much more detailed photos than a couple taking photographs on their cell phone. This reminds me of an incident years ago when I guided an American couple from Connecticut. After a week of seeing Israel, I set them up with a Jordanian guide and driver, and they went to visit Petra, Wadi Ram, and Amman. In Amman, they saw the prominent U.S. embassy and took photos of it. Well, within a couple minutes, the Jordanian police showed up and took the couple, the guide, and the driver for questioning. Once the police realized they were just naive tourists not trying to harm the American embassy, they let them all go. In Turkey, however, the Israeli couple, both of them, by the way, professional public bus drivers in Israel, were held in jail for eight days, once again, under the suspicion of espionage. In Israel, for eight long days, this was the topic of conversation and in every headline. Now, any rookie policeman or woman, and of course, any security interrogator, a professional security interrogator, could tell within minutes that they were not spies. As a matter of fact, throughout the eight days, they had only one questioning session that lasted 30 minutes, and that was it. The fear in Israel was that Turkey wanted something, and they would play this out and make it into a diplomatic political issue. Or worse, that this would go to trial in Turkey, and that could last for a very long time. This type of situation isn't new in Turkey. In 2016, an American pastor named Andrew Bronson. Was arrested by the Turkish authorities under suspicion of incitement against Turkey. In that year, 2016, some parts of the Turkish military launched a failed coup. President Erdogan cracked down on the military and all aspects of society. Many thousands, tens of thousands, were arrested, as well as the pastor. The Turks accused him of being a CIA agent and supporting Fatwa Gulan, an exiled clerk living in Pennsylvania who Turkey blamed for the coup attempt. It was clear as day that President Erdogan was blackmailing the U.S. He wanted to trade Gulen for the pastor. For this purpose, the pastor was held for two years in prison. By 2018, the American administration had had enough. Then President Trump decided to play hardball. He tweeted that holding the pastor is total disgrace and said he was being, quote-unquote, held hostage. The U.S. then continued to impose a tax of up to 50% on Turkish aluminum and steel, and threatened sanctions. As a result, the Turkish currency, the lira, devalued quickly. Erdogan lost the battle, but wanted to save face. So, in 2018, Pastor Brunson was convicted by Turkish authorities on the charge of aiding terrorism. But he was sentenced to time served. He was then immediately released from Turkish custody and returned to the United States. Like I said... Alderaan saving face. The same type of Turkish tactic was successful in 2017 when they arrested a reporter from a prominent German newspaper on charges of propaganda in support of a terrorist organization and inciting to public violence. Now remember, at this time the American pastor is still in Turkey and the Turks are convinced America will budge. Why do they arrest the German reporter? By the way, who had dual citizenship, dual Turkish citizenship. At the time, Germany imposed a weapons embargo on Turkey claiming they would possibly use those weapons against the Kurdish minority. The report was held for a year and let go only after Germany agreed to lift the weapon sanctions. Back to the Israeli couple. The new head of the Israeli Mossad, David Barnea, goes to Turkey and successfully secures the release of the Israeli couple. What Turkey received in return is still a mystery. We'll probably find out sooner than later. In any case, both Prime Minister Bennett and President Herzog called Erdogan to thank him and did so publicly as well. Personally, I'm 100% sure that while in Turkey, David Barnea, the head of the Mossad, also discussed the arrest a few weeks earlier of what Turkey claims are 15 Mossad agents. Yes, 15 Mossad agents. What's that about? So, a few weeks ago, the newspaper and website Saba, a Turkish pro-government daily, published sensational headline news claiming a bust of a 15-person network of operatives working for the Israeli Mossad. The report was that a 200-person police team from the National Intelligence Organization exposed a network of operatives working covertly for Mossad carrying on activities against Israeli opponents and foreign students in Turkey the newspaper further claimed that these so-called spies had been providing the information on foreign students enrolled in Turkish universities, especially those who they think would work in the defense industry in the future. The men, the 15 agents, are all Arab. None of them are Israeli citizens. Most of them are actually Palestinians. Unlike the Israeli couple, these 15 so-called agents made the news in Israel once or twice at most. Is this a true sensational story? Or does it have a grain of truth and blown way out of proportion for political reasons? In Israel, and even in Turkey, people seem to be of like mind that there's something awkward about the arrest of the 15. Some things just don't sound right. They don't add up. First of all, why publicize it? If you catch them and they really are agents, use them. Find out more. Use them as double agents. Coming out with their identities publicly doesn't really make sense in the intelligence community. Secondly, is the Mossad really that amateurish? I doubt it, although mistakes can be made. And third of all, some of the authorities in Turkey claim quietly that this has been made into a much larger story than it really is, and that is for glorifying and boasting of the political leadership, namely the president of Turkey, Tayyip Erdogan. Among the Muslim masses in the Middle East, the Mossad is thought of to be all-powerful. And so Turkey arresting 15 alleged Mossad agents is sensational and again glorifying the Turkish authorities and of course, President Erdogan. So now, for a moment, let's take a look at the Israel-Turkey relations. We've had ups and downs, and that's putting it lightly. When the vote on partition took place in the UN in 1947, Turkey voted against it, choosing not to support the idea of a Jewish state. But then in 1949, only a couple years later, When Turkey understood that Israel was in the camp of the Western world nations, and since the Soviet Union posed their biggest threat, Turkey was only too willing to cooperate and even ally with Israel. As a matter of fact, Turkey was the first country with a Muslim majority to seek military, strategic, and diplomatic cooperation with Israel. Occasionally, political disagreement erupted, and Turkey would downsize their diplomatic mission. This was usually due to Israel's conflicts with the Arab world, but in general, relations with Turkey were stable. This was the case for over 50 years. However, in 2003, Erdogan ascended to the throne, that is, ascended to be the leader in Turkey. Erdogan and his political party believe in the political philosophy of the Muslim Brotherhood, which is of course opposed to the existence of Israel. Now, at the time, the Turkish military was strong and ensured the Turkish constitution as well as ensured a secular Turkey. A military securing the nation as a secular state sounds a bit of an oxymoron, and it was the European Union that pushed for democratic reforms by weakening the Turkish military. Erdogan seized the opportunity, but not for the sake of democratization of Turkey, but rather to have more control and power, and a result to implement the Muslim Brotherhood ideology. Furthermore, Turkey became more and more involved with Israeli Palestinian issues, and Erdogan saw himself as the spokesman for Palestinian rights. Seeking to be the leader of the Muslims in the Middle East and perhaps beyond, Erdogan recognized, like many other Middle East leaders, that bashing Israel is a great political tool to unify and lead the masses. To that point, Erdogan always insisted on holding and running the Israel desk. Now, I said ups and downs. Since the ascension of Erdogan to power, it's been mainly down. The biggest crisis between Turkey and Israel was as a result of the Mavi Marmara Turkish flotilla that aimed to break what they call the siege on Gaza. It was in May of 2010, when six ships calling themselves the Gaza Freedom Flotilla sailed for Israel, more specifically for Gaza. The flotilla was run by a Turkish group called the IHH, the Foundation for Human Rights and Freedoms and Humanitarian Relief. Now, if this organization is a human rights group, of course, as it applies to Israel and others in the Middle East, then I have hair on my head. And for those of you that know me, you know I'm completely bald. The IHH meets regularly with Hamas leaders in Turkey. It has attempted and probably succeeded in transporting weapons to Hamas. It also supplies weapons to the Muslim Brotherhood and fighters in Syria, specifically groups associated with Al-Qaeda. Like many other organizations, the IHH operates under the guise of a human rights group and indeed provide human rights aid to some, but at the same time work violently against those that are considered their enemies. The Israeli navy ordered the flotilla to halt upon reaching the area of the territorial waters of Israel. They didn't. So using ropes, Israeli sea commandos rappelled from helicopters to take over the ship, specifically the lead ship called Mavi Marmara. The intelligence was bad. The Israeli intelligence was bad. Israel wasn't expecting resistance, especially not expecting violent resistance. The sea commanders boarded the ships with paintball guns, not wanting a violent altercation, and that's when all hell broke loose. The Turkish activists came at the soldiers with iron bars and knives. The few soldiers that had boarded were overwhelmed, beaten badly, and even stabbed. According to the flotilla organizer Greta Berlin, the Israeli soldiers didn't start firing until an activist seized a gun from one of them. As their lives were at risk and upon being given permission, at least one of the soldiers was able to pull out a handgun. In the struggle, nine Turkish IHH activists were killed. A tenth man died later from his wounds. Ten Israeli soldiers were injured, one very seriously. Ardoğan, fuming, described the raid as state terrorism. The relationship between Turkey and Israel were now at their lowest level ever. This matter was never totally resolved but Israel agreed to apologize and compensate the families of the dead activists. As I speak, the two governments, Israel and Turkey, do not have ambassadors in each other's countries due to the long-standing tensions between Ankara and Jerusalem. And yet, in the last year, it seems Turkey is somewhat courting Israel. 2022 is soon approaching. Turkey is not in a good place. Their economy is in crisis. The Turkish lira has depreciated by 20% this year. Inflation is also 20%. Unemployment in Turkey is at 12%. Holding the Israeli couple could put a stop to tourism from Israel as well as other countries. I mean, we're talking about a couple taking photographs of Ardoğan's palace in Istanbul while on tour. Media reports claim that thousands of tourists, including Israelis, regularly took photos of the palace. Trying to pass Israeli couples off as spies is so far-fetched that it would be a hard sale even for conspirators. I believe that for these reasons, President Erdogan didn't want an additional confrontation with Israel and hence instructed for the Israeli couple to be released. So I guess that all is left to say is when in Rome, if you are traveling to countries that don't possess a solid democratic culture, behave accordingly. If you like Inside Israel, please share with others. It is November of 2021 and 30 episodes are online on InsideIsrael.fm. Again, you can access all of our episodes on www.insideisrael.fm. You can also access them on Apple, Spotify, on Google and Amazon Podcasts, and more.